Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn with me to John chapter 14 this morning. I have to be honest, about an hour and a half ago, or maybe about two hours ago actually, my message for today changed. I was going to uh, preach and continue on that series that we've been working through, but it just wasn't the right time for it. And so I was directed to this passage that I have read several times already this week because it fits what has happened this week in, in uh, the passing of a couple of great godly men. As you're going to John 14 in your Bibles or on your phones or your tablets, let me just ask you a question. Has anybody ever felt like that the world is working against you? Anybody? That everything is lining up against you. That if it continues down this path you're not sure if you're going to be able to survive it. I've had those weeks and days. I know you have too. I've had those months. And sometimes over the last, you know, little bit, it seems like that those things string together into years where the challenges just keep going on and on. I was driving to the office last week and I heard the worst Christian song ever. Here's what the chorus said. It said, praise now, it could be worse. I'm like, what? Who writes that? Oh, my heart was just filled with so much encouragement. Praise now, it could be worse. I mean, who needs that? How much worse does it need to be, right? When, when life is going against you and you're facing headwind, how much worse do you really want it to be? My grandmother, she was a chronic warrior. She would call before she passed. She would call like the middle of the night. Scotty, you doing all right? Well, yeah. Are you, are you okay? You feeling good? And if I even, if I even went, <clears throat> cleared my throat, you got a cough? Some, are you sick? Have you seen, have you seen the doc? She she, content, she constantly worried over and over and over. Let me tell you something. As human beings, we have a strong tendency to worry. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about help for a troubled heart. I want to talk about help for a troubled heart. How to deal with, how to deal with anxiety and how to deal with worry. One pastor said this. He said, worry is the warning light that God is really not first in my life at this particular moment. You see, worry is something that we tend to do. And Jesus was aware of that. He, he understood that, that we as human beings, that when things lined up against us, that we would tend to worry. And even giving in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, 33, he says, look, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that you worry about, they'll be given to you. Don't worry about those things. And in John 14, he really, he really ratchets, 
ratchets that up, that whole idea. And in John 14, I just want to read several verses, and then we're just going to kind of work our way through that passage. Verse 1 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and if, you go and, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. So Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. So from now on, you do not know him. You do know him, and you have seen him. Father, take your words this morning and help those, Lord God, who have a troubled heart today. Help those, Lord God, who have been anxious. Lord, who have just felt this uneasiness, Lord God, in their life. Lord, I know that reality exists in several and in many, Lord God, who may be here today. I pray that you would speak to us through your word and help us today. So anoint my words, Lord, and let the Holy Spirit carry them, Lord, to the ears of those who need to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus tells his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, the disciples had just got some bad news. Bad news because there were things that they didn't understand. Jesus had just told them or he's, that he's going to be leaving them. He's going to be absent for a while. And this was a little bit scary for him. It caused a lot of fear. And then Peter asks in verse 36, he says, Now, where, where, where is it that you're going? And Jesus responds to him and he says, Look, I'm going somewhere where you can't go right now. At this moment, all of the disciples felt a little bit of what we would say trepidation. They felt a little anxious. They felt a little bit of of that uncertainty and that unknown in their life. Now, this was not good news for them because everything in the world around them had lined up against them. Everything stood against them. The Romans could care less if they lived or died. The religious mafia, the Pharisees, they didn't really care for the disciples. These men had given up their livelihoods. They had, they had walked away from their families, not in a bad sense, but they had gone off to follow Jesus. And many of you who have watched The Chosen, you kind of feel that, that sense of we've walked, we've given up everything. And now the one that they say that they're going to follow, who said, follow me, is leaving. Now, would that not cause just any normal person a little bit of anxiety? Jesus, we, we, we set our lives on you, and now you're leaving. How, how's this going to work out? And, of course, their minds, just like yours and mine, begin to just run the scenario. God, this is not good. And all of the worst things begin to develop in their mind. But Jesus responds. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, what trouble means 
in the Greek here is to cause great mental distress. These guys, it was more than just a little concerned. It was more than just a little bit worried. It was more than those just anxious thoughts. They were terrified. Terrified. And Jesus says, look, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Don't freak. Stop freaking out. Stop losing your mind over what you don't know. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And what he's saying here is not, hey, you guys believe in God, then go ahead and believe in me. No, no, no. What Jesus is saying here in the Greek text is a command. He's saying, stop it, fellas. Trust in God and trust in me. You know, what you need to hear today, if you're feeling a little bit troubled in your heart and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, can I just firmly condition you this morning and say, stop it. Trust in God. Trust in Jesus. Trust in Him. Stop worrying. Stop thinking about it. This is the antidote for worry. Trust in God. Trust in God. Trust in God. Trust. That is the antidote for worry. So whenever you say, I just don't know, I just don't know, I just don't know, trust in God. Trust in God. Trust in God. Don't doubt, believe. Don't fret, believe. Don't focus on how much worse it could get, believe. Don't worry, believe. Trust in God. Trust in God. Kind of take my tone this morning. When I used to play football, and we'd be getting the socks beat off of us. We'd go in the halftime. At halftime, we got our heads all hanging low. We're dragging our cleats across the floor take our helmets off. We're all kind of ducked down out of breath. Everybody would be sitting in there, and the last person usually would come in would be the head coach. He'd come in, and what would he do at halftime? Boys, get your heads up. Look at me. They may be taking it to us, but let me tell you something. There's another half to play, and we're going to get out there, and we're going to run over, and we're going to run the same play we ran in the first half, but I'm telling you, this half, they're going to work. Because I believe in them and I believe in you, fellas. Come on, we got to get together. And so he gives us this pep talk. And I'm just giving you that little pep talk this morning because I want you to know if you came in here carrying your helmet of salvation down low and your breastplate's about hanging half off your body and your shoes of peace, you're only wearing socks. I want you to know something. You can win because you are a soldier of Christ. Trust in God. Trust in God. Trust in God. Trust in Jesus this morning. Trust in Him. That pep talk that David sometimes, he had to give to himself. And I'm just going to confess to you. This week, I had to give myself this talk. I did. I had to get by myself. I was totally alone. And I looked at Psalm 42.5 and I said, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Anybody ever told yourself that? You, ask, you just ask yourself, why do I feel so down? Why do I feel so heavy? Why am I anxious and I don't even know what I'm anxious about? Let me tell you, we live in a world right now that is so just in chaos we worry about things we don't even know what they are. 
And we wake up with that concern. We wake up with that troubled spirit. We go to bed with that troubled spirit. We're worried about our lives and our kids and our jobs and the economy and what the government's going to do and what the government's not going to do and what the church is going to do and if the church is going to do this and that. And we go to bed. We don't even know what we're worrying about. And it's just so much. And we have to ask ourselves, why am I so downcast on my soul? And then you have to stand up and say, you know what? As David said in Psalm 42, 5, put your hope, Scott, put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Why am I even worried, Lord? I need to put my hope in you, my Savior and my God. One person once said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but it empties today of its strength. You're not going to fix tomorrow. And what you'll do is you'll sabotage today. If you're worrying about what you're going to, you got to do this week, what you have done is you have sabotaged your worship this morning. Because you carried that suitcase in, and instead of lifting your hands, you're still holding on to that heavy weight and that burden. You've sapped the strength of today. Here's the facts. Worry will raise your blood pressure. Worry will harden your arteries. Worry will put wrinkles on your face and black dots around your eyeballs. But what worry will not do, it will not make your problems go away. It will not help you deal with your problems and it will certainly not make you feel better. Worry will just drain you. It'll drain the life right out of you. So the only antidote I can give you this morning is to put your trust in God. And that's exactly what Jesus, he looked at those disciples who were full of fear and full of worry. They didn't even know how to even, what they were even going to worry about. And he said, fellas, look, all these blank stares looking at me. I want you to know, guys, put your trust in God. These guys trying to hold back the tears, put your trust in God. These guys that were developing ulcers and didn't know it, put your trust in God. Stop worrying and start believing. Verse 2, he goes on, he says, Because in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. He tells his disciples, he says, Look, fellas, there's something that you need to understand. I'm not just telling you not to worry and just to put your trust in God without any foundation. There's other things that you don't realize. What you need to realize is I'm going to the Father. I'm going to the Father. And he doesn't live in a van down by the river. He lives in a place that has many rooms. He's he's actually living in a place where the Bible describes in multiple ways. The Bible talks about the place where the Father is in heaven as a country, describing its vastness. The Bible describes heaven as a place that's a city, describing all of its many inhabitants. The Bible also describes heaven as a place of the kingdom, which has structure. The Bible calls heaven a place of paradise, a place that's filled with beauty and desirability. But here, Jesus says, I am going to a place that has many rooms, and it's a home. It's home. Home. There is no place 
like home. Dorothy said it well. There's no place like home. (laughs) There is no place like the place that C.A. Bell and Wayne Jatan this morning are sharing. There is no place like home where you can be yourself, where you're always accepted, where you're loved, where there's never a guest. Everybody is there because everybody in home is family. There's no place like home. In the Jewish culture, what they would do is, and if you've been to Israel, it's an incredible sight. The families that would, that would build, when they would expand, when the, when the mom and dad had kids, and then they had grandbabies, and then they had kids, and it just kept on going. What the Jews would do, they called mashiva. They would build, mom and dad would have their home, and then the kids would just build right onto the side. And then their kids would build onto the side of theirs. And if you, on certain hillsides of, of, of Israel today, in some of the village areas, the modern area is not like this anymore. But in some of the village areas, you still see that you can look across and you can see a, a, a big, huge area right in the center, and it's a house. And off of that house, it just looks like spokes on a wheel just coming out in every direction of, of people who have added on and built, built on. And that's what Jesus is telling his disciples. He's saying, boys, I've got to go. I've got to leave because my father is in the middle of a huge building project. He's doing an add-on into the home. He's adding on. And, and what we are doing now is we are having to increase the size of our home because there's so many more people who are going to be a part of the family. And fellas, when, when I leave and you guys take over, the expansion project is going to get so big. Heaven is going to get, so, the rooms are going to get so numerous because the mashiva is going to get big because there's going to be an add-on one after another after another. God is going to continue to add on and to put more houses. Let me tell you something, friends. That excites me to know because the Scripture tells us that no eye has seen and no ear has heard, no mind has even conceived what God has in store for those who love Him. I'm going to build a house, guys. And one of those rooms is yours. In verse 3, he says, If I go to prepare a place for you, I love this part, I will... I'll come back. I'm not just building a bunch of vacant houses, vacant rooms. I'm going to fill those rooms. I will come back and I will take you to be with me where you may also be where I am. He didn't elaborate to the disciples on this promise, but what he did do was his guarantee was unmistakable. He said it as plain as you can say it, as I can say it. I will come back. We forget and we live our lives so often like Jesus did not tell the truth. Listen to me. Too many people are living their life like Jesus was not telling the truth, that he's not coming back. 
that he's not going to come and take those who are prepared and ready. He tells the story of the ten virgins. He tells that some are ready and some are not. He tells a story that wide is the way that leads to destruction, narrow is the way that leads to life, and only a few be that find it. He tells the story in parables. He says, look, there's going to be a separation. There's going to be sheep and goats. We're going to separate because not everybody is going to be ready. And so many times we live like we're not believing what Jesus said, and he's coming back. Listen to me, church. In today's world, in all of the things that are occurring today, the time of Jesus' coming is short. It is soon. He is going to return soon. What is taking place around the world, if you have any biblical eyes to be able to see the prophecies that are being fulfilled in our very generation, Jesus is soon to return. Now is no time, young person, for you to be playing and dancing on the fence and trying to wonder, oh, should I do this? Should I do that? This is going to please God. I'm not sure about this. Don't take a chance. You don't have time to take chances in the day that we live. Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to come back for people who are ready, for people who are eager and awaiting his appearing. I don't care what all of the things that are taking place in the world. Let me tell you, if Taylor Swift's concert is the biggest thing that you can put on your calendar, you've messed up because the biggest thing you can put on your calendar is that Jesus Christ, one of these days, is going to split the eastern sky and He's going to come back for those who are looking for His appearing. We've got to get serious about Jesus' words that He promised His disciples. I will come again and I will take you You see, worry squeezes your heart down to only see the things in life that fail. Let me say that again. Worry squeezes your heart so that the only things that you see in life are the failures. Worry always ends up in the negative, doesn't it? Let me ask you this question. Has any of the... Anybody ever worried in this room about something that would be too good? Oh, man, I'm worried that this is going to turn out too good. Think about it. Man, I don't know. Man, I think I'm going to get a raise. It's going to be more than what I could really want. I mean, this is going to be, I'm, I'm a little bit anxious, honey. We're going to make too much money. You ever heard your spouse say that? I don't I'm worried. I'm worried the kids are just going to be too stinking healthy and we'll never have to go to the doctor again. I just, I'm worried. I'm worried this cancer is going to go away. I don't know. Nobody's ever worried that way because that's not worry. You know what that is? That is called promise. I just handed you all a golden, a golden nugget right there. Worry is the negative Promise is the positive. And when you worry, what you have done is you have forgotten the promise. (laughs) You've forgotten the promise. The promise always works in the positive. The point that Jesus is making, he's saying, why should we worry when Jesus has uh, has given us these two great promises? Number one, that he left us for a purpose. And he, he left... to to prepare a place for us. And number two, the promise is that his absence is not going to be permanent. He will come back. 
Nothing this side of heaven can happen to us that can compare to what heaven holds for the child of God. Nothing. Not the good and not the bad. Nothing will compare to that day. So don't worry about today. Focus on what Jesus has prepared for you tomorrow. Verse 5, the story kind of takes on a different tone because in walks Thomas. And what do we know Thomas as? Man, old doubting Thomas. Really, he gets a bad rap. Thomas wasn't a doubter. He was just very analytical. He really was. He was a guy who liked to ask questions. The problem with Thomas was he didn't want to wait for the answers. He didn't want to wait. And he wouldn't take anybody's word for it, which challenged his faith. I mean, there's issues there, sure. And Thomas comes in verse 5 and he says, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we even know the way? And Jesus answers and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him because you have seen me. Thomas jumps in and he says, look, Lord, we don't even know how to find you. We need some directions. We need five ways to rid ourselves of this worry. Please give us a five-point outline so I can take notes. What will this place look like? How will we know the signs that we're getting there? How are we going to know that we're going in the right direction and not the wrong direction? Lord, would you just answer some of these ideas because I feel like I might walk in circles. And Jesus replies, not by giving instructions, look at it. He replies by pointing to himself. He says, you want to come home? You want to live without worry? You want to live with the Father? You got to come through me. There's no other way. Forgiveness, salvation, eternal life, heaven. What Jesus didn't respond to was he didn't respond to Thomas's questions with some cheap quote, some Christian three-word things that you hear and you see online some weak little rhyming Christian thing that's supposed to make everybody feel good. He spoke with authority. He said, you see me, you follow me. And if you follow me, you'll know how to get there. But what Thomas's problem were is, is our problem. Because Thomas was worried about all of the various possibilities. You see, here's what I want you to see about worry. Worry takes its center from alternatives. The strength of worry comes from our ability to try to seek alternatives. Well, this happened, and then maybe this can happen, or this, or that. And this and that can happen if that happens. And if that happens, then this might happen. And then this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and that's going to happen. And then I'm down over here. Well, what if this happens? Well, that would happen. And that's what we do. 
All these different possibilities. All of these different ways that our life could go sideways. I mean, I'm amazed at how many train derailments we have in America. Maybe they're just now covering them on the news. Or maybe our train tracks are that old. I have no idea. But our lives go off the rails often in the same way. Because there's a, a turn in the, in, the, in, the, in the track and we don't know which way to go and so we just kind of go right down the middle and we're off the rails. You see, worry takes its roots from the different alternatives that we come up with. And Jesus responds and he says, look, I am the way. You've got to put your attention toward Jesus, toward Him, toward His promises, toward His provision, toward His love and His grace and His mercy that brings us strength. And only then can you set aside worry in your life. Only then, in knowing that Jesus said that, that I will provide all of your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus, will you be able to set aside the worry of, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay my bills. You have to set those things aside because you have to realize that Jesus is the way. He's the only way. You don't have to worry because Jesus will make the way even when there seems to be no way. You don't have to worry because Jesus will show the truth even when the devil feeds you a lie. You don't have to worry because Jesus will give you life, and that life no one can take away from you. They go on, and I'm going to close in just a moment. In verse 8, Philip jumps up with a question, and he says this, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. In other words, what he's saying is, Jesus, would you just blow my mind so that I don't have to worry anymore? Would you do something so, so crazy, so big? Let us see God, and then I won't worry anymore. And Jesus says, you, don't, you guys don't realize, I don't need to put on a show. I'm here. I'm standing right in front of you. You know, sometimes in our faith, that's what we do. We say, Lord, blow my mind, and then I'm not going to worry anymore. Do something so crazy out of the, out of the, out of, you know, I mean, I won't ever think about worry. I won't, I won't be anxious about this anymore. I'll do something crazy. At what point, church, will we realize that Jesus is truly enough? That He is truly all that we need. And if the Lord never did another good thing for us, you know, we've heard that. If He never performed a miracle in my life, and I've seen many. If the Lord never provided for me another time, and I've, I've experienced that numerous times. If the Lord never touched my body when I was sick, if He never did it again, it still would not change the fact that Jesus is still enough. He's always enough. He always has been and He always will be because He does not change. Jesus says you just got to believe in the next few verses what I've taught. You have to believe in how I've lived and what I've done. 
Then in verse 12, I want to close with this. Daniel, if you'd come. He says this. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son of Man, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. I want you to think about it. All this in this context of worry. You guys are troubled. Look, you don't even know how your life is going to go. You don't know if you're going to be successful or not. And Jesus says, don't worry. The Father's got a plan. And so what you need to do is, is you need to keep serving because you're going to do greater things than I've even done. What, think about what Jesus did. Well, he, he loved people. He taught people. He fed people. He, he served people. And then he says, you're going to do greater things? So like Jesus is the JV team and we're the varsity? No. No, not at all. Jesus is not talking about magnitude. He's talking about multitude. Greater things. Every one of you in your life it's different. Some of you at this point in your life, you're up in age and you're worried about how things are going to kind of unravel in the next few years. Some of you are raising kids and you're worried about how your kids are going to end up turning out. Some of you are single and you're trying to figure out if I'm ever going to get married or not. Some of you are single again and you're wondering if you're ever going to get married again. All of our lives have all these different things going on. And Jesus, he, he kind of wraps up this whole thing. He says, look, it's not in magnitude, it's in multitude. What I'm saying is everything that I have done, you can all do in the context of your own life. So there may be somebody that you're going to be able to do something in your life that God's going to provide miraculously in you. Some of you, you God's already, He's taking care of your life. You're, you're, pretty, you're doing well. But some of you are in some serious need today and you are worried if God's going to be able to provide for you. Financially, it's been tough. And worry consistently begins to kind of sneak in on you. And remember what Jesus said, trust in God. Greater things are you going to see. Jesus didn't have to pay rent. He never had a house. He never had to make a car payment. It's the only thing that I know he rode was a donkey. One time. Jesus never had any medical bills for the very reason he was Jesus. But we do. We do. So in some sense, wow, greater things? I'm living in a tent. I'm having to live in a house. I got to pay for it. Greater things than riding a donkey. I'm having to drive a car and got to make payments. It may not be a, it may not be a seven series Beamer, but it, but it gets me from point A to point B. But I've still got to take care of it. You know, 
don't worry. He said he would take care of us. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of your kids. Stop worrying. I don't know how I'm going to pay for college. Stop worrying. I don't know where my kids are. They're just not living. Stop worrying. Start praying. Start trusting. Start believing. Jesus says these words in verse 13. I close with this. He says, whatever you ask in my name so that the Son of Man may bring glory to the Father. So that that He could bring glory to the Father. That's the whole point of our life, to bring glory to the Father. When you ask God to receive glory, I want you to realize that it's not some heavenly pinata that you're whacking saying, in Jesus' name, boom so that all the blessings of God can fall out of. That's not what it's about. It's about praying less about yourself and praying more about, God, let your glory be seen in my life, through my circumstances, through my family, through my job, through my career, through my future. Lord, let your glory be seen in my life. And when you begin to live with that in mind, the worry begins to leave because you know you're living for a much bigger reason than just yourself. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in Him. I'd like for you to bow your heads this morning. What I'd like to do this morning is just take some time and pray. I want to ask this morning if there's anybody in this room who has burdens. you have a troubled heart today. You're troubled. You're anxious. Filled with worry. You almost, you have this empty feeling inside. You just can't, can't figure it out. You feel almost lost or confused. That's not what Jesus intends for you. He intends for you to live in peace. If you're worried about your future, He's got your future. If you're worried about your finances, He owns it all. Your family, you're in His family. Don't worry today. Here's what I'd like for us to do. I'm going to open the altars this morning, and I'm just going to invite you to come. And maybe you need to have that Psalm 42, 5 moment. Why is my soul so downcast in me? Put your hope in God. Maybe you need to have that moment. You need to hear that pep talk from the Lord this morning, not just from me. I've started the the thinking to happen, but what I want to encourage you to do is take time this morning and bring it to the Lord. We've got plenty of time. If you've been plagued with worry in your life, if your heart has been troubled over something, Would you bring it to the Lord today? Would you lay it down at this altar and let him deal with it? And then you walk away from that worry and you leave this church without that heavy baggage upon your heart and mind and your life and live as if Jesus' promises are true and that he's coming back. 
Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.